You are listening to the Shot Caller Podcast with Casey Diaz and Joel Needler. You can find us online at uh, Casey Diaz Author on Facebook, uh, The Shot Caller Book on Instagram, and on Twitter at The Shot Caller BK. That's at The Shot Caller BK. You can also find us at CaseyDiaz.net and send an email to info at CaseyDiaz.net. That's info at CaseyDiaz.net. Us. Yeah. Uh, so Casey, last time, in the last podcast, we ended with you're in your prison cell and we wanted to kind of finish off uh, your testimony, your time uh, in prison and, and you had a profound experience with the Lord. You felt like you were supposed to ask for a chaplain, yeah. prison chaplain. So let's, let's pick it up there with you uh, talking to the guard, asking for prison chaplain so he uh you know he gives me a little uh like i mentioned uh, the other day uh smallest pencil in the world okay yeah know, yeah a little, little leaflet to fill out right i fill it out and several days later i'm in front of this chaplain and basically i'm just telling him what you know i experienced back in the cell and one of the things that i notice is that as i'm telling him what happened in the cell we have this he gets really emotional the chaplain The did. chaplain does. Yeah. And, you know, his lower lip starts to shake. Yeah. And I see his eyes are, you know, very watery, and which ends up affecting me. Yeah. And then he grabs his Bible, and he goes into the Gospel of John, and he starts reading uh, the whole crucifixion. Right, yeah. Uh, to me. Yeah. And uh, I went, that's what I saw. Wow. That's exactly what I saw. Wow. So that that was, it was a, a very um, revealing moment. Uh, just kind of like, whoa, yeah. this is. Because what you saw, you, you hadn't heard that story before. I had no idea. You didn't know, yeah. Yeah. So, so here he is uh, with an open Bible explaining what a, it. What a great confirmation for somebody working at a prison, Yeah. you know, to not know if what they're doing is making a difference. And then you have a guy whom you've not talked to come out of the blue and meet with you and say, uh, I think God was trying to tell me something. Does yeah. this mean anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. It, it was it was uh, quite a moment, to say the least. So what, what was the rest of the conversation like with him? Did he want to disciple you? Did he want to? Yeah. What so, could he do for you? So, you know, he, he, he uh, offered uh, to, um, uh, it, he didn't necessarily say disciple, but he, yeah. he, he said, you know, I'm here for you. Um, you can request a you know a visitation from me. Yeah. Um, whenever you need it, uh, I'd like to talk to you, and, and and that was that was very impactful for me to hear it from him, a complete stranger, but there was authenticity in his approach. Yeah. And his uh, desire to to help me. Yeah. Uh, understand. Uh, maybe at that time you know it was the gospel or just to be a friend. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was that was pretty cool. That's awesome. So being in solitary confinement, were you allowed to see chaplains at all? Uh, um, I think that's that's uh, because of its uh, religious right. You're okay. able to do that. You get some religious yeah. freedom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay. So you go back to your cell. Yeah. What's life like now? Um, you know, n- nothing changes in the physical. You know, you're still in an eight by ten cell. Um, you're still not doing anything. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, again, here, here's his voice. 
one more one more time. And this time, um, he tells me, um, you're going to set up a meeting with uh, some of your guys uh, when you get out of here. And um, you're going to let them know that you don't want any part of this anymore because you're a Christian. It was that specific. And I thought, okay, well, well I was told when I was put in the shoe program that um, I would be serving my whole entire sentence there, that I would parole from the shoe, yeah. from solitary. So I thought, okay, well, when I get out, meaning when I paroled out of here, I'll do that meeting. Uh, and uh, to my surprise, uh, several days later after that um, is when um, uh, out of nowhere, uh, the warden, gang coordinator, uh, come down, my cell racks open, and they tell me, you know, we don't know why we're doing this, but we're going to put you in mainline. Wow. And I thought, you know, first of all, there's a a, a, a sequence of events that happen before you're abs- uh, abstracted from a cell. There's you know, a protocol that you follow. Yeah. So for my gate to rack open, and I haven't been cuffed yet or no restraints are on me yet, that was kind of a, that was a little weird. Different day. Uh, different day, different, uh, I didn't understand. So, so how long had you been in solitary up to this point? Uh, over three years. Three years? Yeah. Wow, okay. In solitary. So so here we go, you know, I'm, and I'm going to the mainland, and I remembered what he had told me, you know, when you get out of here. Yeah. So it was God already planning, you know, he already was ahead, uh, you know, <laughs> major steps ahead of me yeah. in this process, and... So day one, when I got to the yard, um, we have these cement picnic tables on the yard. Uh, I remember I uh, uh, gathered some of the leaders there, uh, just a handful of... Uh, so now you're out in the mainline yeah. yard, so there's lots of guys out there's, there. Yeah, there's everybody that's... Yeah, you know, okay. Everybody's out there. Right. And um, I call this little meeting up. And, and so uh, at this point, let's establish that you are the shot caller for, yeah. for your... Can you talk a little bit about what that authority means, what that brings, like who's responding to you, who's not responding to you, all that? Uh, usually what it, what, what, uh, what it entails is you're pretty much, the, well, you're not pretty much, you're the person that will hold the, the keys uh, is what they uh, also say. Um, you make major decisions, mm-hmm. um, and those are decisions that are coming down from, top tier so you're like the godfather or you're like the uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't say that it, it, yeah. it was it was there's a coordination yeah okay uh that happens there yeah but you have um uh you have certain rights uh yeah. that the other inmates don't have and you make major decisions as to who lives so when you were in solitary were you making some of those calls was that possible? Yeah, that's very possible. I mean, uh, m- many of the major moves, both inside the prison system and outside of the prison walls, are made by shot callers in solitary confinement. And they, there's a lot of um, stuff that I won't, you know, yeah. get into details of that. Oh, okay. But yeah, th- there's it's uh, possible. It's major. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty. Well, uh, uh, isn't that special? <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, uh, so yeah, I. <laughs> man, I just a little scary when I think about the yeah. power of a guy who's behind bars still calling shots. 
not just in the prison. I mean, you mentioned that they're moving stuff on the outside, too. Well, they're, yeah, they're, major moves. Yeah. So, um, okay. So now you're in mainline. Now you come out to the, the park area and... The yard. The and yard, the, yeah. There's the... <laughs> necessarily call it a park. There's no grass. No or, swing sets. No swing sets or, you know, slides. Or, no slides or... Or any jungle. trees whatsoever. <laughs> No jungle gyms. <laughs> yeah, okay. there's, I don't know what you've been watching, Joe. I, I don't know. My yeah. Wheaties are <laughs> yeah, they're getting to me today. Something in the Wheaties. Okay, but yeah, so I'm in the yard and the talking. <laughs> and um, here comes a yeah. You know, so I conduct this meeting, and I let them know exactly you know what I heard. Yeah, which was I don't want any part of this anymore, and that I'm a Christian. And that's all I had to say. For them to turn their backs on me, they didn't say a word. They just walked away, and I knew what that meant. That that meant you know I'm no good now. As of this point, I'm no good, and um, something needs to happen. So a hit was placed on my life for stepping down. And um, usually in this kind of circle, um, if there's somebody that that's from your gang, um, they prefer for that person or persons to do a hit. Um, and usually they want to get rid of you really quick. I mean, they, you, they don't want you on the yard. And uh, so for me, um, I knew that, you know, I, I knew the whole system. I knew that mo- most uh, hits would be done in the morning. Yeah. Uh, that's just how it is. Um, major hits are done in the morning. It's when all the cells rack open and there's more movement. Um, you know, there's a lot of live movement. There's, 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 you could get away with not necessarily get away with stuff, but you could do stuff. Yeah. So um, it's a long night because I know what I expect within 24 hours. I know something's going to happen. And um, so one of my own, uh, we, our gang was big enough to where uh, they sent one of my very own uh, to, to do the hit. And he approaches myself, uh, you know, my gates uh, closed. But he approaches my cell and, and he says, you know, uh, they're asking me uh, to do the job. And uh, I walk over to the wicket, to the little window. I said, I understand. He said, don't know. Uh, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. They're asking me to do the job. I said, I, I do understand. And then I reminded him and I said, uh, don't forget that at some point, you were answering to me, so I understand exactly what this means. And you need to do what you need to do. I said, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm good with that. And I want to tell you ahead of time that I forgive you. Um, and he was so upset. And he says, you know, you know, if, if you change your mind, you know, I could say something. In other words, he'd make it work. Mm-hmm. Somehow he thought that he had the ability to do that. And... Um, I, to me, that was strange. You know, what do you mean, change my story? I can't change my story. I know what happened back there. And uh, I said, I'm, I'm letting you know, you know, I forgive you ahead of time. And he walked away highly upset, you know. And uh, so that night was a long night. It, it was uh, it's almost like you're watching a clock just kind of tick, you know. And you just, you're waiting for something to take place. 
And I remember that when uh, I became a Christian in that cell, that I had promised God that I wouldn't uh, put my hands on somebody. Um, and by the way, if you're listening, don't ever make a promise to God. That's just like, you know, but you're a baby in Christ and you don't yeah. know any better. Right. So I made a promise and never put my hands on somebody. And um, uh, so in my heart, I, I thought, you know, I'm not even going to look at them when they come in. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm not going to fight back. I'm just going to take it, whatever, shank, whatever, whatever it is that they're going to do. You know, they want to kill me, so it's all good. And uh, he came in, you know, the cell door racked open in the morning. And I was surprised that it was only him coming in. Hmm. And um, he had shank in hand and whole, whole nine yards. And um, I remember uh, he said, uh, you better be right. Those were his, his exact words. Huh? You better be right. And then he says, and I'm thinking, here he comes, you know. And Were you facing him or was your back? No, uh, my side, I was like at an angle. Uh, facing this way, he's here, and I'm kind of just like kind of looking away, my hand in my Bible, and um, so he's coming in with a shank, and you've got in his hand, and you've got a Bible in your hand. In my hand, yeah. And you're ready to go. Yeah. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to check out. You know, and uh, and he says I can't do this. You know, he, he says I can't do this, uh, but whatever it is that you're doing, yeah. You know, I yeah. went in, so he becomes the first Christian. That's that I bring. Incredible. He's the first guy that I bring to Christ. Dude, that is so incredible. Yeah. And, and he came to our, our, our church uh, about a couple of years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. So we, had a, we hadn't seen each other in years, in decades. So instead of taking you out, he wants to join you. Yeah. He saw the transformation. He saw something changed. I think he, he you know, I think he probably went there at night. And I prayed. You know, I, yeah. I prayed. I didn't pray so much for my life to be spared. I, I, I actually didn't pray for that. Yeah, I was just my heart was ready to to, to exit out. Yeah, um, but um, I, I think he must have saw something, or maybe he, you know, through the thought process, um, kind of evaluated the whole situation. Probably thought, I don't know. I never bothered asking him. By the no, way, I know. I'm sure. Um, yeah. You know, but he was still in there with you for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, so now you're in a general population. Yeah. You have a bunkie. You're in a. I was in a one man cell still. A one man cell. Yeah. Okay. But with man. the general. Yeah, but yeah. with uh, yeah general right. population. Okay, so you don't die that day. No. Right. So now you're in the regular routine of going to get something to eat and yeah, going back to cell. Uh, and so your former gang still has to be pretty upset. So oh, how, yeah. how are they responding? So him and I end up uh, becoming targets of what we call hard candy. Okay. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, they just wanted to, to uh, you know, punish. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think that was the more, uh, uh, the way they wanted to proceed with us. Mm-hmm. Um, they just wanted to see us suffer type of deal. So, you know, we would uh, be walking to Chow Hall or whatever, and next thing you know, there's, you know, several inmates on top of us just shredding us to pieces. Wow. Um, and then shortly after that, there was a uh, uh, one of the founding members of MS hmm. uh, who came to Christ. Oh, wow. And uh, then another uh, inmate from a pretty big gang, he came, and he was a shock caller himself. Yeah. He came to Christ. So now there was like four of us. 
mm. running around this 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 thing and and we're getting beat, man. <laughs> so it's not just me. I mean, you know, yeah, it's it's all of us. Yeah, uh, the guy from MS is actually the one that really took it the worst. Oh, he he, uh, they really did yeah. a number on him. Yeah. It, it was brutal. And so when someone gets beat up, they're done, and they, this guy's just laying there. What do the guards do? What well, do they, they try do? to stop it. You know, yeah. they'll come in mace and a beanbag or whatever. But um, Where, but but if you're just laying there groaning, what do they do? They take you to a hospital? Do they put you? Well, they'll back cu- in your they'll room? cuff you. They'll 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 cuff you. There's no, you know, hey, can you get up? Let me help you. Well, they just they'll cuff you because they don't know. They they need to assess the situation, and yeah. they don't know if you're the one that was, you know, doing the punishment, and somehow you ended up, you know, uh, yeah. on the floor yourself. Yeah. So they need to assess the situation. So everybody gets cuffed, uh, you know, or zip tied in any kind of assault yeah. in there until they find out what what's what's but, going but on. But you did end up in. Some sort of hospital or uh, yeah, or, or not, well, they? in in the nurseries, you know, in like the it's like the infirmary, not nursery, but the infirmary. Yeah, the uh, in there and yeah, you get you know they have the ability to do stitches yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, but uh, of all of us, I think the the, the dude from MS was the one that really got it the worst. I, I mean, this yeah. dude got it, he got it bad. Yeah. Um, but and, and here's the thing is that, you know. <laughs> Now I'm, uh, I have a Bible in my hand, yeah, and I read this thing, you know, just constantly. I mean, yeah, I have a lot of time to read. If I'm awake, I'm reading it. Yeah, um, and and here's the thing: I, nobody told me how you read the Bible. Like nobody gave me instructions. So Not where, even the chapter. Where did you start? So I started from Genesis. That's right. And <laughs> the beginning of the book. And, and, and the beginning of the book, is, it's, it's, it's good. You know, you, you, is exciting. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's exciting, even for a, a new believer. Right. But you kind of go, what does this have to do with me? Right, right, yeah. There's that element. And then there's the other element of once you get about to Deuteronomy and Leviticus and all this and Numbers, you're like, what does this have to do with me? <laughs> I know, yeah. You know, so it gets a little gets pretty thick, mundane yeah. and, and, and you, you got to push through. So it took me a while before I got to Acts. And Acts actually, you know, for a lot of Christians, John is the one that everybody recommends. Mm-hmm. But for me, uh, actually, it was the book of Acts that really opened up my, my eyes. Because then I started to see these dudes that, like, these guys were hardcore. You know, you think about Christians and, and you think about, you know, they don't fight back. Oh, man. You know, uh, turn the other cheek kind of guy. Well, while you were describing that, I was thinking about John and Peter and, and the disciples in the early chapters of the book of Acts were getting beaten up because they wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. And they were like, I, well, sorry, we can't we can't not talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and they're thrown in prisons yeah. for the right. simple reason of preaching the gospel. Right, talking about, yeah. And, they're not compl- and here's the thing, they're not complaining. No, <laughs> they're not going. Hey, guys, but we're innocent. You know, this yeah. is on. This is unlawful. They're taking it like yeah. a man. Yeah, and you know, to okay. them, it's you know, this, this, this is what it takes, and so be it. So, actually, became very real to me. And then I ran into you know, obviously the story of Saul. Yeah, and his yeah. conversion, and that that really did a number on me because here's a guy that. So you were starting to identify with the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts and his trans, transformation from yeah. 
someone persecuting the church and killing people and stoning people and consenting to that to a man who was approached by Jesus. I mean, your story is very similar in the sense that when God appeared to Paul, Paul was blinded. You know, the, the amount of darkness he was living in was knocked off his horse and he could hear the Lord, you know, but the guys around him couldn't. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of symbolism there we don't need to get into now, but you're starting to see, you know, yourself. Yeah, and and, and, life. and not to compare myself to, to him, but right. I just, I think that I took an appreciation of this guy because of who he was in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is not some weakling guy. This no. is not some. The Bible, some, most of these guys aren't. These guys were solid dudes, yeah. man. Like, yeah. if, if these were bad dudes. No, I wouldn't want point. to scrap with Peter either. No, I, I mean, this guy's a know? fisherman, man. Yeah, I mean, he's a fisherman from back in the days. Yeah, right. It's not some, like, you know, all these nice apparatuses that they have now. Yeah. This guy was, you know, real deal. Yeah. So, but I had this appreciation for his life and the suffering that he went through. And that really helped me yeah. uh, to to keep on pushing through. Yeah. Uh, and, and his the attitudes that these guys had yeah. were just so stout. You know, these were not weak men. Yeah. These yeah. were men that 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 you know they can you know they can push pull their own weight. Well, they could also take a beating and get back up and get back up. Right. Without without complaining. Back. Yeah. Without complaining. Without fighting. And that's that's not easy. So no. Here you are. In prison, taking a stand for something you believe in, and same stand as a Christian, and you're taking a beating, which for most folks on the outside, we're not taking a beating for it unless you're in places like China and, and other you know foreign countries that are being persecuted. Um, but you're you're experiencing that in 3D. How are you in your spirit as guys are coming after you? You recover, they come after you again. Um, that had to be hard. It was, and, and uh, I'm reminded of one of those moments where I thought, maybe I made a bad choice. Right. I mean, you know. Is this really worth it? Is yeah. this really worth it? Because you, you you know, here's the thing. I think as Christians, we can live um, so long as we can hear his voice, so long as we know that he's there, you know, and he's, you know, giving us a cookie or two. Yeah. Then we're good. But then there's times when God just stays silent. Yeah. And you got to figure it out. Mm. And that's where trust comes in. And so for me, I remember I had a, I had a moment where um, <clears throat> I, I was just, uh, I wanted to prove a point to them, mm. you know, because uh, they were coming after us. And and I remember I ripped the Bible. I ripped the Bible into pieces. You did. Oh, and gosh. And I, I didn't, you know, I thought, this is it, man. You rip a Bible, that's it's oh yeah, game over. No return. Oh, There's no, no return for that. Yeah. And I remember I, I ripped and I said, "Nah, uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna show them." Um, wow. And I'm gonna take one out. You're taking it back into your own hands. And I'm and I'm taking it back in my own hands. And I remember I remember um doing a shank in yeah. there and sharpening it up in the whole nine yards. And in my heart, in my mind, I, I I said this. I you know the next dude that comes in here is not going out. Wow. He's gonna be body bagged. Wow. And. So uh, here I am, and I'm sharpening this 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 tool, and uh, I got it sharp. I mean, I, I've done these before, um, and I'm pretty good at them. Um, I got my handle going, and and the whole nine yards, and it, it, and this it, what happened was this guy walks in, and he sees me, you know, and he's coming in to do you know 
I guess some damage and yeah. with some some I don't I don't know if he he was coming alone mm-hmm. or with some other people behind him, mm-hmm. but he was the first one to step in, mm-hmm. and I stood up with shank in hand, and he it, it was like he saw some ghost, like he knew that if he would have stayed there a second more, he was not gonna be wow winning on this one yeah. And I don't know if he saw a look in my eye or what he saw, but he, I mean, he turned around so fast and bolted out of my cell. Yeah, right. And it was in that moment that, that I kind of like came to reality, like, I'm about, I'm, I'm, I almost went there again. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I, I it, it was like, almost like shame and guilt. And I, you know, disassembled this thing and I flushed it down the toilet yeah, and it was an experience and a learning uh, moment for me that I'm not done. Mm. Like I'm still having to deal with yeah this area in my life that. Well, dude, you're not alone in that. I mean, I remember yeah. when I became a, a a new Christian, it was I had a lot of things to still work out, and there yeah. were times I wanted to quit because of rejection. It wasn't the same as you. It was just being rejected from. People I had known and uh, things I'd places I had been before, and but you're alone. There's this this wilderness, this yeah. desert time, you know that you go through. And just yours was very intense. I mean, and I think this is why, like, uh, yeah. But it, it's a teaching moment for us as as mature Christians. Yeah. After you know being in the Lord for so long, that we also need to show mercy to those that are just coming in. To the fold. Yeah, right. And I'd be so critical. They don't have it all figured out. They yet. don't. Yeah. And they're weak. Yeah. They are weak in faith. You know, the Bible t- tells us about that, right? Yeah. There's some that are weak in faith and some that are strong. And, but, and, you know, when you first come to Christ, there's zeal, but then there's no knowledge. Yeah. And, and you need those both right. elements. And yeah. I think that's, uh, we, we need to be a little bit less, you know, this way, uh, where we're like, no, you don't. This is what you cut off. This is you can't do this, and you can't do that. Yeah, I think this is where discipleship comes in, mm. the right kind of discipleship uh, that you know, that's that has tender mercy like God does, mm. that's understanding, that's able to pick somebody up when they do fall early on, um, and I had something like that uh, with uh, the gentleman that was helping me at the time. It was a, a, a young. Uh, pastor um i say young but he was older than me obviously but um he uh he you know i shared that i had ripped the bible and yeah uh, i shared the whole thing is this the same chaplain you had met with before no this is a different guy different guy uh, and he uh, a fellow prisoner no no he was somebody from outside oh was and, he coming uh, to visit you uh he did bible studies there okay it's from the outside and yeah. uh, on his own accord Okay. Uh, he was a, a part of a ministry. Just he, on his own. Just on his own. He'd yeah. come in there and okay. and do this thing. And I, I shared that with him. And I remember telling him, I said, you know, I think I messed up, man. Uh, and I ripped the Bible in, in pieces, man. I threw yeah. it in the trash. I thought, that's it. You, you're done when you do that. And uh, and he, I saw that he like kind of had a smirk on his face, like, like, Watch what I'm about to tell you. It's gonna shock you, uh-huh. you know. And yeah. and and he did shock me. You know, he said, "Listen, okay, you 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 ripped the Bible. Mm-hmm. 
that's just your your flesh, your human side. Um, God's just beginning a work in your life. Right. Yeah. And you know, He knows. He knew that you were going to do that, and He's going to work in your heart and those things, and you learn patience uh, somehow uh, through this, yeah. this turmoil. And and it was good counsel. Yeah. You know. Awesome. So what I know about your time there is that. You were not shy, though, about sharing your faith, even though you had moments like this. You did start sharing your faith. But there was a unique way that you did that while you were in in prison because you didn't want to embarrass anybody uh, who may not want to be publicly affiliated with, you know, a Christian group or needing help or counseling or, you know, I'm sure there's lots of pride. We all have that. Talk to me a little bit about how you came about to kind of invite guys in. So in, in, in uh, prison and in the Los Angeles County Jail and jails in Southern California, um, there's what we call kites um, or wheelas. Uh, these are notes that okay. we use, um, usually a little, little piece of paper. Piece of paper. Uh, yeah. Very okay. tiny writing. Yeah. Uh, and usually these kites um, are used uh, for like uh, when we need to move uh, drugs around for negative things. For negative things, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it could be somebody with a name on there, and they need to be hit, they yeah. need to be killed, and that, so you know they're used like that. And um, uh, I remember I knew that um, I knew that this is a way that I could get to them because they were they were you know they were hip to that. Everybody's hip to that. So what I started doing is writing, uh, you know, little paragraphs. Little Kite. notes yeah. uh, on the Skype yeah. uh, and sharing what had happened to me, very condensed, though, very, you know, short. Oh, so you were basically giving your testimony in a short little paragraph yeah. on, a, yeah. on a little piece of paper. paper. And when yeah. I would see that they were by themselves, I would pray uh, to see who God would tell me to hand this, this note okay. to. Yeah. And when God would tell me, I'd hand it to this guy. He's ready. I'd yeah. do that. Yeah. And I knew that if they took the note, if they took this kite, that they were going to read it. Uh, if 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 they they could have easily just said, "Hey, dude, what, what are you doing?" Yeah. And then started a commotion or something, right? But they took it, and I knew if they took it, they were going to read it. Mm-hmm. And I already had prayed for. It. And here's the, the 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 cool part is that I really didn't understand prayer and how it worked. Yeah. Yet I had this childlike faith that. All of us go through right in the early stages of our uh, um, uh, us being born again. Yeah, there's a tremendous faith that that, that we have. Yeah, that you know, right? That God's gonna come through, and when we pray, somehow we just know that He's gonna answer. So I give these guys away, and I write my testimony or, or or something on their scripture, and little by little, man, uh, these guys were coming to Christ. Wow. Little by little. And the next thing I know, I remember um, one of the uh, visitors uh, from a ministry, that, from an outside ministry, he told me, he said, um, you know, um, you know, he said, why don't you start your own Bible study? Okay, so the first <laughs> steps were just you sharing your testimony yeah. and distributing that. There was no meetings. There were no conversations. It was just all paper. It's all paper. And you're watching people. Coming to Christ. Coming to Christ just through that? Just through that. Wow. And it was, you know, just a handful. It wasn't like... Because I thought, I thought you had been having meetings and things, like prayer meetings or anything. No. Uh, it, it was just these letters. 
And then this guy, this this uh, minister says, you know, you got to have, you got to start your own Bible study. And I'm thinking, I don't know, what are you talking about? Like, how do we do that? You know, how do I do that? You mean teach the Bible? He says, all you got to do is open the Bible. Yeah, start reading. And he says, and I remember the scripture that he told me, he said, you know, don't worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you what to say. Hmm. And he showed it to me, right, on the scripture. And he's like, that's what it means. Like, so just, just go for it. So what I did is uh, I started getting meetings uh, in the yard mm-hmm. and all these guys that were coming to Christ. These, and when I say all these guys, it's just a handful. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But I would open my Bible yeah. and read to them. It wasn't teaching them. <laughs> I was just reading. And it was a King, King James Bible, by the way. Oh, wow. That's how you get in there. Yeah. This is a time when there is no, you know, maybe the NIV exists, but I don't know about it. Yeah. We don't know about it in there. It's, you're getting... You know, Gideon Bibles, and that's all you're getting. And they're all King James. So I'd open the Bible and, and read yeah. uh, to these guys, and we'd kind of talk about it. That's awesome. Yeah. And apparently it worked because it they, did. they kept coming, and you guys were learning things and yeah. growing. And even though you're reading Shakespeare-type language. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um so do you hear from Frances Proctor at all during this time? Does she come back at all? Or? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we write to each other. She, okay, yeah. so you started writing yeah. her? Yeah, she started writing me. I started writing her. Yeah. We kept uh, a great... Was she uh, excited for you? Oh, oh dude, wow. She had she to be was, so... She was, uh, she was uh, you know, just overjoyed. Yeah. I, that, mean, yeah. I mean, you're seeing your intercessory prayer. Work. Work. Yeah. It, you're, 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 you're watching this. Yeah, work. yeah. And um, so, yeah, we, we, we would write to each other. Um, she was so, uh, she was my disciple, my discipler. Uh, you know, she, yeah, she right. just, uh, uh, you know, would give me Bible verses, encourage me. And, and didn't you say something great. about her sons? Her sons, uh, they were all pastors. So she had six sons, <laughs> and they were all ministers. See, man, I, that's a powerful little lady. I mean, <laughs> if, yeah. if you think... There's a problem with women in ministry. You better think again. <laughs> and uh, she was a single she's mom. She's going to be leading a whole bunch of us in heaven, too. You know? yeah. <laughs> she was a single mom. Yeah. A single mom a raising single boys, mom. and they all turned out to and be... And they were all pastors. Minister- yeah, okay. Yeah. It, wow. that's, it, I mean, that is a miracle in itself. That is, and that's awesome. Yeah. And plus, she's got you as a spiritual son, yeah. let alone whoever else she yeah. led to the Mentored Lord. Mentored and, and in the discipled, prison. yeah. And then, and then the other thing about her that I love that you say is she didn't live in Sacramento. No. Like, <laughs> this is not just going down the street to do prison. Yeah, yeah, where, yeah. where did she live? Uh, Lakewood is where, I mean, that's where she lived. Her church was Which uh, is in, in South Central in, on Adams. So she's from Los Angeles. She's from Los Angeles. And she's driving once a month up to Sacramento. Yes. Or to Folsom. Yeah. Which is probably it's, what? It's in Sacramento, yeah. Five-hour drive? I don't know, man. It's a long one drive. Way? Yeah, it's a yeah. long way. Just faithfully going. Faithfully. And taking not and she's taking a group. She's not right? getting paid. I don't think she's getting paid. Yeah, it was a small group, about maybe. Yeah. I think it was like six or seven. Of yeah, them. yeah. That's just. Awesome. They're not getting paid. They're not. Right. You know, they're, no. it's it's only four to five minutes. Yeah. You know, uh, conversations. Right. And then you're out. That's so you got to go man. through security searches. Yeah. Uh, and it's some. You're going into a level four. They're searching everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... It, well, it, and all the paperwork she had to fill out to be approved, oh, to get yeah. in, to go, yeah. you know, all that. Yeah. So all of that. You Quite know, a sacrifice. It's, yeah. it's a sacrifice. And, you know, I'm sure that they didn't have a luxury... It's a small church, so 
I'm staying at the Super Eight. You know? Yes, <laughs> I mean, you know, Super Eight yeah. uh, in a beat up van, probably right. a church van, and and just the faithfulness. Uh, you talk about lady. shot callers. Uh, oh, man. She's a she's, she's a, a, a shot caller. A major, know? major yeah. hitter. Wow, man, that's that's incredible. Um, what she did uh, for you and so many other people there. So. So things are growing then for you, like yeah. ministry and evangelism is working inside the prison. Um, what? There's some other miracles that then take place, and folks, again, you can you can read all about this in the book "The Shot Caller" by Casey Diaz with Mike Yorkey, uh, published by Thomas Nelson and Emanate Books. Um, but there's a pretty miraculous series of events that took place for you to be released from jail. Yeah. Or from jail, from, from, prison. from prison. Yeah, why don't we try to cover those here as we uh, as we head towards the end of the podcast? But um, I mean, there's so many details, man. We could talk forever, <laughs> yeah. you know, about these things. But we're just trying to get, you know, wrapped up in a couple of episodes. So, I mean, technically, you're in for what twelve years? Yeah. Okay, so now you're back in general population. You've shaved off about three years going into so. Do the math on that. What's that? Eight, nine years left. Mm-hmm. Um, but things start to change. Talk about how the authorities there, the parole board, the the warden. How are they starting to see? Uh, well, you know, you, guys? I, you got um, you you got uh, parole boards. You got to go. You know, once a year. How often do you appear before uh, them? For me, it was once a year at that time. Once a year. Okay. Yeah, and um, you know, you you're in there for what you're in there for, and you don't expect to get out anytime soon we'll see but no even that attitude you're taking is an honest attitude but i'm sure a lot of guys are still trying to say i didn't do nothing yeah right? you have a lot of that <laughs> i would say the majority of yeah. is that you know uh and and there's jokes about that um you know everybody's innocent in there right as soon yeah. as they catch the guy that did everybody's stuff but that's uh, not what you were well, saying before. when you went in front of them right no uh you know i, I year after year I, i'd go before them and and uh, you know they ask you questions like you know why do you think we should let you go home and one of my answers in one uh, on the time that i actually got paroled on was i, I said this like, and you know it's one of those things that later on in life you go I can't believe I said that. You know? <laughs> right, yeah. But I said, uh, you, know, you know, they asked me, why do you think you're fit for parole? Why, why should we trust you? Yeah. And I said, you shouldn't. Um, I deserve, I deserve every day in here. Hmm. In fact, I, I think that the sense that they gave me was way too low. Hmm. And I deserve to spend the, the, my entire life in this place for what I did. And I understand what I did. So I don't plan to go home anytime soon. Wow. And so I I think, I don't think they were ready to hear that. Yeah. I don't think they were expecting to hear that. Yeah. I I certainly wasn't expecting to say that. You know, it just came out and was just, look, when when you understand your sin. Yeah. When you really understand your sin, you know, you're (laughs) we're as guilty as guilty could be. Well, and that's the key. You, you came face to face with your sin, and you yeah. you were willing to deal with it, give it all to God, confess it, acknowledge it, and now you can you know deal maturely with other folks and say, yeah, I did that. It was wrong, you know. I yeah. I know what I did. So, and you're not alone, man. I mean, there's an old saying, and I don't. Maybe the Apostle Paul said it, but some men's sins go before them. 
to death or to the judgment seat, right? Yeah. We all know what so-and-so did. And boy, oh boy, are they going to be in for it when they meet the Lord, right? Yeah. But there's others of us where it's 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 not seen. Yeah. But there's just as much stuff going on yeah. that we need to deal with. And, which I, and I'm of the opinion we're better off dealing with it now. at a time. Now. <laughs> yeah. um, before we show up before a holy God who has uh, X-ray vision, yeah, and remembers everything. So yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. I mean, I think that the the faster that we just deal with, yeah, it, yeah. So the well, my only point is, you were humble in front of these folks. You weren't trying to hide anything. Yeah. You're just saying, you know, I did what I did, deserve to be here. So, um, but what was the response to that that last time when you were in front of them, and you, you were you were comfortable with your answer, and you, yeah. you walked out. Uh, I, there was a certain pastor because I, I made a lot of friends that were pastors there, yeah. and and, and not, not just pastors, but people like the guy that counseled me about you know when uh, uh, when I wrote the Bible and stuff. Yeah, uh, guys like that that just they did showed it out of up their for heart. your parole yeah. hearing. Yeah, and one of them showed up, and and I'm looking at him like, what are you doing here? You know, <laughs> I thought he was there to visit somebody else. Yeah, and he says, um, uh, God told me to come in here and pray for you. And I remember specifically telling him, um, um, this is just a normal parole hearing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. He said, well, I'm here to pray for you. I'm just following instructions. Mm. And, uh, and I was very persistent in letting him know, that's fine. Yeah. It's all great. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. You know, and, and, I'm, and I'm fine with that. Like, I don't know why you took a drive over here. I don't know where he lived, <laughs> but... I almost, I almost saw his prayer as uh, it might sound wrong, but not needed because I didn't think, yeah, nothing was coming out of that. Sure. And um, so they asked me those questions, and I answered, and they took a, a break. They said, "Well, we're going to discuss some things, and you know, go ahead and step out, and uh, then we'll call you back back in." And um, I remember this it was like maybe eleven thirty or something like that, uh, or some. It was right before uh, uh, lunch, and um, so they finally they we take a break. We're outside. Uh, the guy's praying for me. I'm convinced that his prayer is not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And uh, then they call me back in, and they call me back in, and uh, so I, there's a chair there. I sit down. There's correctional officers there, and. <laughs> you know they're they're telling me about my case and my yards and and I I'm I'm completely years and I'm just you know not thinking nothing of it yeah um when all of a sudden uh, the question and there's a series of questions I mean there's too much detail in that but then uh, the question is um where are you gonna eat uh, today. And I said, well, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm looking at the clock, right? I know it's chow time. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what happens is if you don't get uh, oh. in line for chow, oh, yeah. you're getting a sack lunch for chow, and it's nasty food. Yeah. So I remember telling them, you know, in, in a funny kind of way, I said, well, I'm not, I'm not going home, so I, I really would like to, uh, you know, get my hot, my hot meal before I get a sack lunch. Yeah. So I'd like to make it back to... To, to the hall to chow and the next thing I know 
they're granting me parole. And there's paperwork being pushed on the table. Wow. And I couldn't believe that they're letting me go four years early uh, wow. from my sentence. That's a long, that's a lot of years. Yeah. That, that's a lot of years. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, I, I'm signing documents. and I, It was almost like a, this can't be real hmm. kind of moment. Like, yeah, there's sure. no way this is real. Right. And, um, but sure enough, it's there. It's in writing. And um, I'm paroled. Wow. Um, the state of California finds me fit to, uh, for freedom. What, did, what were some of the things they said? I mean, they had to have, give some reasons. Um, um, I, I had completed all my um, uh, court-ordered uh, uh, programs. Yeah. There was a victim's awareness program. There was programs that I thought initially, what does this have to do f- with my case yeah. in particular, like uh, N.A., an N.A. class, an A.A. class. Uh, my crime wasn't committed so under the influence. Synonymous yeah, and, and alcoholics. alcoholics. Yeah. And I'm thinking my case had, there was no drugs. Like I'm, yeah. I'm, In all my case, in all my cases, there's never been a drug offense. Right, okay. So all my stuff has been done sober, so why am I taking... But they're checking off all the boxes. Well, they, yeah, yeah and, they, and they're figuring you have so much time. It's just something to do and learn. Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I fulfilled all those. Yeah. Uh, all the court-ordered uh, uh, classes yeah. that were all done. Um, and, and I had scored, you know, well. Uh, so it wasn't like I was just being in class, being knucklehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I had to take a mad class, uh, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a course there. Um, I had to take uh, Victims Awareness, uh, Gang Bangers Anonymous. That's actually a thing then in oh, there. Oh, wow, yeah. Which I, we all laughed about it, but, we, you know, we <laughs> sat through it. Yeah. And, um, and it was just they would bring victims uh, of... Uh, uh, families of the victims sure. of uh, violent crimes. Yeah. Uh, by, uh, by way of you know, the gang culture, and you would hear how they lost a family member, or you know their son or daughter is now a uh, paraplegic because of whatever you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it was all gang connected. Yeah. And they would, you know, pour their hearts out and stuff like yeah. that. And I think they were just trying to. So all those programs were completed. Um, and so really all I was doing is just time at that point. Yeah. It wasn't like, you know, I had did everything that they asked me to do. Um, what got my attention is, uh, on there, it said, uh, uh, they wrote something on there, one of the board members. And every time I went to parole and every time throughout my, I mean, since I was in juvenile halls, there was always this little paragraph that they would always write, and it was very—it was almost like the same person had wrote hmm. that thing yeah. from yeah. my first juvenile hall experience to now, and it all—it would always say, "A danger to public safety and/or self." Hmm. Um, they would always write that. On this particular paper, they had wrote no longer. <laughs> No longer, and and I thought, wow, that's a big, yeah, that's a big statement. Yeah, that's that's huge. It is, yeah. And and it was humbling, you know, right. because I'm going, they're seeing something. And I, I again, I was not trying to go 
sure. home at all. I understood my crime. I really, really, out of my heart, uh, felt bad for my victim and his family. Yeah. And, it, you know, when you commit a crime out here, it's not just that victim. Yeah. You're, you're affecting, affecting the whole community. Yeah. As a whole uh, society. Yeah. You're ruining it, you know. So I understood that. Well, and I see it as, you know, what God had done a work in your life. You responded well. You endured a lot. You probably began to change, obviously, as a person. And the parole board could see that change. And you were, you know, you were doing the work as they asked you to do it as it came along. But, um, you know, the transformation was becoming evident. And that's... That's a strong testimony, you know, for where you were and what you had to put up with. And again, there's a whole lot more uh, detail in the book uh, towards the end of Casey's stay in, in federal prison. Not federal. I said it. I didn't mean to. You didn't say it again. This is maximum. And I don't want to say it again. Um, <laughs> in prison and uh, the escape that um, God provided through, yeah. uh, through the parole board. Um so, Casey, we'll probably need to wrap this up on this episode. Maybe next time we can talk about reentry, life, you know, coming back to civilian life um, and some of the things you went through there on the next Shot Collar podcast. That sound good? That sounds great, man. Good, man. You are listening to the Shot Collar podcast with Casey Diaz and Joel Needler. You can find us online at... Uh, Casey Diaz author on Facebook, uh, The Shot Collar Book on Instagram, and on Twitter, at The Shot Collar BK. That's at The Shot Collar BK. You can also find us at CaseyDiaz.net and send an email to info at CaseyDiaz.net. That's info at CaseyDiaz.net. <laughs>